Father, we thank you for coming to this earth, born of a virgin, something supernatural that only you can give. Let our hearts be focused on you. Not on what's around us, not on what's at the malls, not what's in our pockets or our bank accounts, but Lord, we would focus our eyes on you. Father, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord one more hand of praise. If you can open your Bibles, just remain standing. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. Once again, thank you, Pastor Benji Cortez. Great having him here with us. Family. Luke chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I want to share with you here this morning something real, real special, I believe, in this Christmas holiday season. And also just want to make mention of one more thing is that you're not going to want to leave. Of course, we have our Victory Homes opening the uh, Christmas gifts. They're going to be doing that. But also they have another song they're going to bless you with. Wasn't that a great song at the beginning? Wasn't that awesome? I was feeling it when I saw the kids come out there. They were like, I'm changed. You're four years old. You're already changed? Come on, somebody. That's pretty good right there. But they're changed because God changed their daddy. There's something about when the daddy changes, everything changes. Dads, dads, don't wait on the wife. Don't wait on the mom. You change. As for me, you first. That's not my, what I'm speaking, but I just believe I needed to say that. So don't leave. They're going to bless you with another song. Here this morning, Luke chapter 1, verse 67. We're just going to read this part of the verse. There's actually a lot of scripture, but I want you to stay there in Luke chapter 1. And hold a note there, hold a bookmark, because in Luke chapter 1, and Luke chapter 2, Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be there all this time. Luke chapter 1, verse 67 says, Then his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. His father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Somebody say prophesy. Tell your neighbor, prophesy. Father, one more time, prophesy to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to speak to you, share with you what I believe to be seven prophetic words that came from God right around the birth of Christ. I was studying and I was looking at and as I was looking at this, there wasn't any one particular word that I was looking at. I said, man, let's just speak on this. It was actually quite a bit, and quite a bit jumped out to me as you study the scriptures. And for those of you that study the scriptures, the word that jumps out, or uh, translated in the Greek is a rima word, right? A rima. Like, wow. Look, this is, whom, and it comes and it jumps into your spirit. And I want to give you seven words, prophetic words, that were given in the Bible that I believe were in perfect harmony to the most important birth ever conceived. 
Now, this is very important because if you miss this part of the season, then you're going to get engulfed and attracted for the wrong reason. You're going to miss it. Because what happens is we wake up in the morning and we say, man, I got to go to the mall. Rather than, man, I got to go seek his face. We can miss it. And so I want to get to the essence of it. And so the essence of it is the birth of Christ. Without Christ, there is no Christmas. It's just must. And for those of us without Christ, it's not just a must. It's a mess. So I want to give you seven words. Now, this is the thing about it. I know if you've been coming to this church for a little while and you hear me preach, I have a certain rhythm, certain way of preaching and certain things that happen. I give illustrations and I'll do different things and applications and understanding and we'll break it down. Here this morning, I'm not going to be able to break it down because I want to give you these seven words that really stood out to me within and around the birth of Christ. But if you get these words in your heart, you study them, I believe there's going to be something special for you this holiday season. Are you ready here this morning? Are you ready this morning? Okay, the first prophetic word is the word of salvation. Salvation. Now, this is the word that was given to Zacharias. He's the father of John the Baptist. Now, salvation, let me give you just a little bit of background in this prophetic word. Zacharias was married to Elizabeth, and she is a woman that is barren. The Bible says that Zacharias, he's praying for her to have a child. Then an angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias and tells him that his wife is going to bear a child. Now, when you read the scriptures, you'll find that Zacharias, he looked at the angel and he spoke to the angel and said, look, my wife, she's barren. Matter of fact, I'm an old man and she is, he's a wise man. I'm old, she is advanced in years. I'm going to let that prophecy go right over many of you right now. You're not old. You're advanced. Can I hear an amen? All right. All the advanced ones should have said amen on that one. So Zechariah says, that can't happen. How is this going to happen? We're, we're, we're already old. And so the Bible says that he doesn't believe the angel. So the angel speaks a word over him and shuts his mouth. He becomes dumb. He cannot speak. So it silences his tongue. Now, after this, um, you begin to see that Elizabeth, they ask Elizabeth, what's the, the, the name of her son? She says, my son's name is going to be John, right? But Zacharias can't say it because he is, you know, mute. He can't say anything. So the Bible says that Zacharias comes in and he takes a piece of paper because he can't speak, but he writes it down and he writes down the name John. Now they ask and they say, well, why do you have the name John? Nobody in your family's name is John. But this is what the angel of the Lord has said. And so the Bible says that Zacharias, the moment he wrote down the name John, he began to speak. Now he can speak the moment he wrote it down. So from there, now we pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Look with me here again. In verse 67, it says, Then his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, really quickly, I'm going to share with you a lot of scriptures, and you're going to hear a lot of different words that are going to be redundant in other prophetic words. So you're going to see these words in a lot of different prophetic words. 
But this one in particular is salvation. Somebody say salvation. It says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. That's another word. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Now look with me in verse 76. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord and prepare his ways. He's talking about his own son. To give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Now, this is very important. Don't ever forget that the reason for this season is salvation. Salvation. I know we talk about gift giving, but actually it's about the greatest gift ever given. And he gave it for our salvation. See, it's God sending his son to save us from our sins. Now, this is very important because the definition of salvation is being delivered from the deadly clutches and eternal effects of sin. See, salvation is the first step we all must make if we want to be pleasing and accepted by God. Don't ever forget that the reason for this season is salvation. The other day we were sitting around and we were, uh, you know, eating. I think I want to say it was around Thanksgiving time. And my wife started sharing our beginning of the marriage's stories. And she was started sharing the story. She does this every holiday season, and I love it, actually, when she does this. Because she starts sharing the stories about, man, when we first got married, we were living in this, you know, one-bedroom apartment. We had ketchup soup every day. We had a, a, an air mattress with no air, you know, sir. You know, there were just so many things that we look back at now, and it helps us to remember where we came from. This holiday season, don't ever forget that it's salvation is the reason for this season. Don't ever forget the reason why you can even celebrate this season. It's salvation. Somebody say salvation. The second word, I'm going to go through these real quickly because I really want them to get in your spirit. The second word is favor. Favor. This is a prophetic word given to Mary. Look with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. A lot of scriptures here, but this is very important. A lot of scriptures. This is the reason why we have Christmas. This is the reason for it. Trust me, it's not Santa. I want to make this very clear just in case you're already advanced in years and you forgot. Not a Christmas tree, but it's the one who died on the tree. Don't forget that. Okay, this is another. Remember, now what I'm talking about, I'm giving you prophetic words that were given around the season of the birth. So if you ever forget, what's the reason? What happened around the birth? First, salvation. Second, favor. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. It's like saying, to a town in California called Hayward. Okay? To a virgin pledged in marriage to a man named Joseph, who was of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel appeared to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. The second word is favor. In this season, favor. Favor in the Greek 
means charis, charis. That word charis in the Greek means grace, means grace. Now, only six times in the New Testament, this word is translated favor, but 130 times the word charis is translated grace. You have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is what God was speaking when his son was being born. You have entered a season of grace. See, God has found favor upon you in this holiday season. You know what? You are God's favorite. I want you to know that here this holiday season. You are God's favorite. Now, did you know that you, that you can actually have more than one favorite? Did you know that? You know, they, uh, I've had people ask me before, hey, pastor, what's your favorite food, right? I say, oh, my favorite food? Man, I, I love Mexican. Ah, oh, I just love Mexican food. And then they'll say, well, you don't like Italian? You know what? I love Italian food. I love Italian food. I say, but you're always going to, you know, Hong Kong restaurant over there. Oh, I love Chinese food, too. I love Chinese. I can have more than one favorite, right? God looks at you and he says, you're my favorite. You have found favor this holiday season. Don't ever forget that God loves you just the way that you are, and he has found favor over your life. There is a prophetic word of favor for this holiday season that you got to know that you are God's favorite. Tell your neighbor you're God's favorite. Some of you are just looking at the other person like, I know. <laughs> well, if you don't know, now you know. The third word is blessed. Blessed. This is a pro prophetic word, a prophecy given through Elizabeth. Now, if you notice all throughout these different words that I'm giving, some of these words were given to and some of these words were given through. Some of these words were given to, and some of these words were given through. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. There's a reason why we're reading a lot of these scriptures. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. It says, In those days Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered the home of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, have you ever noticed this? There's always a lot of greeting going on here. There's a lot of greeting going on. You know, I believe that in this holiday season, there should be a lot of greeting. Now, this is not in my notes, but I just do want to say this. As a Christian, in a holiday season, if you're in line, you have the ability to greet people with a holy greeting. It's not a Burger King line. It's a greeting line. It's not a DMV line. It's a greeting line. And if there's anybody that should be filled with the Spirit, it's you. And there's something about a greeting that just changes everything, changes the atmosphere. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Ooh, come on, somebody. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord's word, the, the Lord's word to her will be fulfilled. 
blessed. The word blessed in the Greek. Now, I, I, I know many of you are saying, why does he keep saying the Greek? Why does he keep saying the Greek? Well, much of the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. A lot of the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek. So a lot of times, in order to find the real meaning or the root of where we're going, we're going to talk in the Greek. And so I want to encourage you, even on your own, I know some of you are like, man, I barely even like speaking English. Why do I got to learn Greek? It's important to learn these. It's very important. At that time, a lot of the known world spoke Greek. And this word, blessed in the Greek, meant makarios, which meant to be happy. To be happy. Now, this is important because I believe in this holiday season, you should experience being happy. Now, it's a lie from the enemy that you're told once you get saved, you can never be happy. Now, you got to be serious. Actually, no, you're called to be blessed. You're called to be blessed. That this holiday season, my prayer is, is that you're going to find and experience true happiness. Now, this is the thing. True happiness, not that fake fun that the world offers. But true happiness, true blessings, every good and perfect thing comes from above. God wants you to be blessed this holiday season. You know, I, I know a lot of people that they always talk about how one day they're going to get saved. One day, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. I'm going to live my life, and then before I die, I'm going to ask the Lord to come in my life, and I'm going to get saved. Now, people always ask me, well, can you do that? Actually, yes, you can do that. But you know what? You're not going to live a blessed life. You can do it, but you're not going to live a, a life of blessing. You're not going to live a life of happiness. You're going to live a life of sorrow and pain and occasional seasonal happiness. But when you have Christ in your life, it's not just a season. It's a life, a living of happiness. True blessings from the Lord. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? See, because happiness, blessings comes from the Lord. Without Christ, you're just searching for happiness. But with Christ, you have it all the time. With Christ, we have it all the time. In Acts chapter 3, verse 26, it says, When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by the turning of each of you from your wicked ways. God sent his son to bless you. My prayer this holiday season is that you would find the blessings not under the tree, but from the tree. That you're going to experience blessings because of who he is. Not because of what you attain, but because of who he is. Can I hear an amen? The fourth word, as we're going quickly here, is the word guidance. Now, this word guidance is not an actual word that you're going to find in the text, in the scripture that we're about to read. But it's the word that, uh, the spirit, I guess you could say, that as we read this, this one definitely stood out to me even years ago. I said, man, God was guiding Joseph throughout the whole time. Every part of the birth of Christ, God was guiding and directing. Now, this word in Matthew chapter 1, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 1, and you'll see the prophetic words that was given to Joseph. We're going to begin in verse 19. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and was unwilling to disgrace her publicly, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But after he had pondered these things, now this is very important. I, I love this. It was very important that he meditated on these things. Don't make rash decisions. 
don't let your emotion get the best of your future. After he pondered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to embrace Mary as your wife, for the one conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now jump with, Matt to, me, jump with me to Matthew chapter 2. After this, now the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, tells him what to do. Now Jesus is born. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. There's a lot of dreams going on in this holiday season. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Here's a warning. Now jump with me to verse 19. Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those seeking the child's life are now dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he learned that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. See, the word given to Joseph, and I believe the word given to you and I in this season, is that he will guide us. See, my friend, the Bible says that he is the truth and he is the life, but he is also the way. See, God didn't just save you to give you life. He saved you to guide you and direct you and help you in these times. They may be difficult to comprehend, but it's in moments like these that you, you and I must understand that his guidance is the best. His ways are the best ways. Can I hear an amen? The guidance, this guidance is the best for our lives. What God wants to do, even in this season, when to make a move, he's going to guide you. When to get that job, he's going to guide you. When to make that purchase, he's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. You need to know that in this season, God will guide you. God will direct you. That's what this word is in this holiday season. He will even warn us in order to guide us. As you read here throughout these portions of Scripture, uh, God was sending an angel in a dream. God can speak through dreams. Can I hear an Amen. Now, this is very important. There was a lot of dreams at this time, but you and, I, you, need, you and I need to know that God has given us his word. His word is right here. And so if you're saying, well, God, speak to me, he already spoke. God, guide me. He will guide you. He will share with you. He will show you the path. I will hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's going to guide you. Now, as I was looking at this, one thing that came to mind right away in the guidance was when I get into cars, I don't really do this for me. I don't have this. I think I have an inner guidance system. But when I get in a lot of other people's cars, I always hear a GPS. I don't use GPS. That's just not my thing. I don't do it. My wife already knows. because, And people will tell us, here's the directions. Do you want me to, you know, show you how to get there? I go, no, it's okay. Just give me the address. I'll find it. For whatever reason, God has just given me an inner GPS. As my wife, I'll look at there. I'll look at the map. I memorize it, and I'm gone. I'll get there. 
I know how to get there. Not a problem. And this goes almost anywhere I go. We were in Tennessee. She goes, let's go over here. I go, okay. All right, let's go. Got it. Boom. But when I get into people's cars, it says, in 400 feet, you're going to make a right. And I'll, it always freaks me out. I go, what is that? Who's talking to me right now? But it's funny because the GPS, it's called uh, Global Positioning System, right? GPS, Global Positioning System. That when somebody misses a turn, you'll always hear one word. It says recalculating, recalculating. Whenever you miss it, it's recalculating. See, the GPS, I believe spiritually, is the guidance protective services. God has his own GPS. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. And every once in a while, he will warn you, recalculating, turn around, you're going the wrong way. That's not the way you should go. Oh, but I know the way. Trust me, God's GPS is better than your GPS. He knows exactly where he wants to take you. He knows exactly where he wants to guide you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has given you GPS. Read it. It works. It knows where to take you. God is trying to speak to you and I and guide us through his word. The fifth word. Are you guys getting something here this morning? The fifth word is the word joy. Joy. This word was given to the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, says, And there were shepherds residing in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Just then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified but the angel of the lord said to them do not be afraid for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people now this word joy means when you break it down in the greek it means the cause of or reason of in other words it's not just the fruit of it but it's the root of it the joy isn't just the fruit. In other words, because I gave you $100, you're going to be excited all the time. No, that's the fruit. The root is you don't have to give me $100. It's already in my spirit. I'm already valued in my spirit. Money doesn't dictate this happiness and joy that I have. The root of it is Christ's birth. Because of this, I have joy. See, my friend, without Jesus in your season, you won't find true joy. Joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. Now, you know what I find real interesting is that the devil never takes a break. You ever notice that? The devil never takes a break even during tragedies. It's almost as though we think the enemy sees our tragedies and then he says, well, that's enough drama and heartache for them. I think I'll just leave them alone this holiday season. Actually, he doesn't. He attacks even more. And one of the biggest attacks is during the Christmas season. This is one of the biggest attacks that i found because this is the time where joy is supposed to be at his highest, so he's going to be at his most. Our joy should be at the most. Yes, I'm excited. Holiday season, family, friends. But all of a sudden, the enemy comes in and says, oh, yeah, you got family, you got friends. But what about that family that's not there anymore? 
and he attacks you with oppression. He attacks you with depression. Holiday season going through divorce. Holiday season going through financial difficulties. Holiday season. And all of a sudden, the joy that you had goes down. And the difficulties go up. And you see that more than you see joy. It's not that joy isn't there. It's just that joy isn't recognized. It's there. But it's like off in a little cubbyhole somewhere. But the whole room is filled with depression. The whole room is filled with oppression. Now, this is what I've learned, is that in a time, especially in Christmas time, holiday times, birthday times, I've learned that Christians are the only people on this planet that can grieve and be happy too. Now, listen to me. I I wish I could stay a long time in this point. Christians are the only ones that can grieve and be joyous as well. Because the Bible says, go ahead and grieve. In other words, feel the pain, feel the hurt, feel the things that your emotional, your natural instincts are going to have. Go ahead and have those, but do not grieve like the world. Grieve as though one with hope. You still got hope that one day you're going to see them face to face. One day you're going to see them in glory with God. I know you may not see them right now. When you get around the table, my mother calls it, she has this class called the empty chair. You're going to see an empty chair, but don't have an empty heart. Know that you can experience true joy. I know it's not saying, and listen to me, I don't want to act like, Pastor, you're being insensitive. Listen, if there's anybody that understands, I lost my father at a young age. I wanted, I wish, man, I wish my dad was there. I still wish every now and then he would have met Stevie the third. That would be awesome, but guess what? He hasn't, not yet. Listen to me, listen to me. This is very important. Not yet. But I wish they were here. No, they're they're here, and you're going to see them face to face, but just not yet. You can still experience true joy. When the enemy tries to come in like a flood, know that, hey, God has given me a word of joy. It may not be easy. It may be a little difficult, but I still have true joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning time. Come on, if you're ready to experience true joy, give the Lord a joyous praise. I know it may be hard. I know it may be difficult, but God has sent his angels around you to say, Hey, I bring you great news of great joy. You're going to have true joy. You're going to have great joy. Can I hear an amen? My God. The sixth word. Getting close to closing here. The sixth word is redemption. Redemption. This was a word given through Anna, the prophetess at the temple. Through Anna, the prophetess at the temple. Luke chapter 2, verse 36 Luke 2, verse 36 says, There was also a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, who was well along in years. Here we go with them advanced in years, folk. She had been married for seven years and then was a widow at the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming forward at that moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption 
of Jerusalem. Somebody say redemption. Somebody say redemption. Now, this is important because as we look at this portion of Scripture, there was a custom back then, and it's actually still even within many uh, Middle Eastern countries, they get married young. You're married real young. So she could have got married around 14 years old, 14, 15, 16, which a lot of people believe that was the age of Mary. So it wasn't an odd thing. It was a regular thing. It was a custom thing. So if she was around 14 years old, married for seven years, when her husband passed, around 21 years old. So 21 years old, and that she stayed in the temple here, and she was here for quite a long time, 84 years, a widow. At 84 years old, God used her to speak a word. The next word we're actually going to give later on, Simeon, the Bible says actually in tradition, he could have been 112 years old. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because that God can still use you even in your seasoned veteran age. Don't ever think, well, I'm already old. I'm done. Let the young people do it. Can you imagine if Anna would have done that? She wouldn't have been able to give the word of redemption. So for some of you who are just saying, well, you know, I'm 60 years old. I'm 70 years old. Look, you're just getting warmed up. God's not done with you yet. You're still getting close to the fire. That fire is burning inside of you, and God has given you a word. All the seasoned folks should say amen. Say amen. God's not done with you yet. The word that was given was redemption. The word redemption, the root word of redeem. The, the word deem has to do with value. Value. How much do you deem the value is, right? How we deem this value. The word redeem means to value, again, redeem, take back. What's the value of it? I'll take it back, Re redeem it again. Restore, to store again. Renew, to make new again. Everything is to make it again. This word of redemption means that God came to send his son to redeem us. In other words, to buy us back. Buy us back to him so that he can have us all to himself. There's a story in the scriptures that really reminds me of this one. It's a story of Hosea. And you'll find it there in the Old Testament. And it's a prophetic picture of Israel. And Hosea, you'll find it in Hosea chapter 1 and also Hosea chapter 3. And the Bible says that uh, uh, the word of the Lord came to Hosea and told him to buy a wife. That's what it says. Take a wife. Buy a wife. For she is a prostitute. Take the wife and make her yours. So the Bible says that Hosea took uh, Gomer, all right, took her, and they had three children. And the Bible says that after she had the third child, she left him and went back into her occupation. She went back into the occupation. So you would think, okay, you know what? Just leave her alone. You raise the three kids. It's all good. Actually, the word of the Lord came back to Hosea and said, buy her back. Take her back. Actually, the, 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 Greek, uh, the Hebrew word in there, without going to a long thing, the actual word is love her back. That's what it says. I want you to love her back. The first word was to buy her back. To buy her, to get her. But the second word was love her back. Take her back. 
It's a prophetic picture of what God wanted to do with the children of Israel. Israel wanted nothing to do with God. You know what? Forget this. We're going to do our own thing. But all of a sudden, God said, no, I'm going to send my son to go there and be birthed for the redeeming value. There's redemption. This holiday season, God wants you back. This is for those of you that say, well, God doesn't want me. You don't understand, Pastor, what I've been through. You don't understand what I've done to God. You don't know how much of the things that I've seen that I've done, even on purpose. Why would God want me back? He sent his son just for that reason, to redeem you. You know why? Because he values you. You have so much value to him. Now, you may think, but I've been trampled on. I've been stepped on. I've been messed with. I've been hurt. I've even done things against him, and yet God still says, you're my bride. I love you. I redeemed you. You are mine. Something that I have this holiday season that no one else can do, I redeem you. Tell your neighbor, he redeems you. The seventh word and the last one, and I close with this, is the word peace. Peace. As Brother Benji, or Pastor Benji comes here this afternoon and plays behind on the keys, this word was given through Simeon. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 Luke chapter 2, verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation actually breaks down to peace. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. This is actually where they get the the word that you'll, you'll see. A lot of people, you love the movie, The Lion King, right? Love the Lion King in the first part of that movie, right? Is all of a sudden he takes the, the lion cub and presents it. That's actually what was happening here. He took it, he took the baby, took the baby. He says, Now the word is fulfilled, your servant can go in peace. The Bible actually says that they call Jesus the Prince of Peace. And this word that was given to Simeon, I believe in this holiday season, out of all the words that many of you are looking for, I believe this is a word just for for you. God has given you a word of peace. True story, years ago, there was a major art gallery that they sponsored a competition for painters, and they were offering prizes for the best painting on the subject of peace. The painting that won, it was a real surprise to everybody because the scene of the painting was an ocean in a violent storm. The sky was very ominous and the lightning was cutting across the sky in the picture and the waves were crashing against the rock walls of the cliffs by the shore. And if you look at the picture, you look at it and go, where's the peace? So actually, you had to look twice to understand what was going on. About halfway up the cliff, 
was a bird's nest tucked into a tiny hollow in the rock. It was a mother bird sitting on the nest with her little babies tucked underneath her, sleeping soundly. That little picture of the nest was the peace. See, peace is not the absence of the storm, but it is the rest in the middle of it. A lot of people, you're looking for peace by getting rid of the storm. You're actually not going to find peace. I know a lot of people that live in the most secluded, secluded of secluded places, and they still don't have peace. Peace has nothing to do with isolation. Peace has nothing to do with seclusion. Some of you right now, that's what you want to do in this holiday season. I just want to run away. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want anybody to give me a gift. I don't want to give a gift. I don't want nothing to do with nobody. Just leave me alone. I'm going to tell you right now, you can go in that corner and you can cry and you'll still have no peace. Because the peace that you're looking for has nothing to do with everybody around you, but it has to do with what's inside you. That's what you're looking for. See, and this is what I really love. This is one of my favorite scriptures, and I share this a lot. But the Bible says that he will give you a peace that surpasses all your wisdom, all your understanding, all your knowledge, all your experiences, everything that you think you know, God will give you a peace. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. You'll find a lot of these prophetic words all throughout around this time of this holiday season of the birth of Christ. Redemption, favor, blessings. But even most of all, I believe this holiday season for many of you, God's going to give you a peace. A peace that when other family members come around and they're going to look at you and they're going to, are you okay? Are you all right? They're waiting for you to crumble. They're waiting for you to, do, to look distraught. They're waiting for you to look all messed up. But in the midst of it all, you're going to, hey, I'm just fine. How are you doing? I came here to ask how you were doing. Now you're asking me? Man, just a few months ago, just a few, uh, just last year, you wanted to end your life. Now you're talking about eternal life? What? doesn't make any sense. How could this be? You know why? Because God has given me a peace that surpasses all understanding. I can't even explain it to you. I just, I love life now. I, I, my life is not perfect. My car is breaking down. We're getting three flat tires. I don't even know if my electricity is going to stay on. I feel like I have to pray for my car every time just to make it to work. Some of you, even this holiday season, I don't even know if I'm going to have a job after this holiday season. But even in the midst of the storm, God is your peace. You may not understand it all. You may not even have it all. But God is your peace. A peace that surpasses all the wisdom, all your understanding. All of it. I don't understand it. I had people a lot of times all throughout this holiday season because they always ask me, hey, this is your father's birthday. Right, my father's birthday is uh, four days before Christmas. Every year. Every year. And they're always asking, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, I don't know. The funny thing is it happens every year because I always go, well, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. Pastor, doesn't it? Of course it hurts. Of course there's pain. But you know what I've learned? I keep my joy above my pain. 
I keep my peace above my fear. It's not that we don't have fear. It's not that we're, we're scared. The Bible says the angel of the Lord even said, look, I know you're terrified, but don't be afraid. Don't be scared. You're going to be all right. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You're going to be just fine. But it hurts. Trust me, you're going to be just fine. But all this stuff is happening. Don't worry. There's even better happenings on its way. It's on its way. It's on its way. God has given you the greatest gift this Christmas season. You won't find it in a mall. You won't find it in a store. You won't find it under a tree. But you're going to find it in your heart. God is the Prince of Peace. He is the true Redeemer.